You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Rachel and Gabby's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 301. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. A first-time guest, Bachelor number four, Bob Guinea joining us. Got a lot of stuff to talk about with him. Like I said, his first time ever on the podcast. I hadn't even spoken to the man in my life until I DM'd him a few weeks ago asking him if he wanted to come on. This is a really fun talk. You know I love talking to the old schoolers and with Bob. Had a great time with him. So we'll get to that momentarily. Do want to tell you that you can go to the Daily Roundup on the Reality Steve podcast feed that was released a couple hours ago. I will kind of break down a little bit of what I'm talking about on the Daily Roundup here. I'll shorten it for a little bit. Uh, The main thing was this story that I told you I was working on. I said I had two stories coming out. First one was the Nate one. And then the second one was this one. The bottom line is the subject in question, the one I've been speaking to, the one I've been getting a lot of information from. She has sent me text messages. She has sent me photos. This story is legit. Um, The problem is she hasn't responded to my texts in over a week. And I don't know where she's gone. Is it possible that somebody got to her and told her not to say anything? I guess that's possible. That would really suck. Uh, Is it possible that she's just gotten cold feet and doesn't want to do it? That's possible as well, too. I don't know what to tell you. This story right now is in limbo because my subject won't text me back and won't tell me, can we, does, do they want to go forward with this? Do they want to do the interview like they have said for the last month that they absolutely wanted to? She's well aware of what she's doing by coming forward with this story. I've asked her numerous times. It's always been yes. It's always been her going out of her way for me to get me anything I needed and, and you know, texting me saying, will you call me? And I call her and it's just like, oh, I found this. And, oh, do you think this will help? And, oh, I found these pictures. And it's just like, okay, yeah, this is great. But she hasn't responded in a week. And normally that means something not good. And I have an intermediary that set me up with this story in the first place. The intermediary spoke to her two days ago. And the intermediary got back to me and said, yeah, I spoke to her. She's good to go. Okay, great, but that doesn't help me when she won't respond to me. I'm the one that has to do the interview, and I'm the one that has all the information and going to put the story out there. So I don't know what's going on. It's frustrating, but I can't force her to do anything that she doesn't want to do. So we're sitting here in limbo right now. I hope we can get the story out. And even if she just says, look, I've decided I don't want to tell this story publicly, there are a couple things that possibly can be done. We could possibly do it anonymously where we just don't release her name or her face or anything. Yes, The man involved would know who it is, but that doesn't matter at this point. It's getting the story out there. And if she says, I want no part of this, morally, I don't think I can sit and do nothing because this is a story of a very serious nature and it needs to be addressed. But if I don't have permission to run with anything, I got to figure out my next course of action right now. Is her sending me the pictures and telling me the whole story and sending me texts and pictures? Is that permission? I don't know. I don't even know if I could use that without her saying, yes, you could go ahead and use this. I, I just, it's in limbo right now. 
but I just wanted to update you because a lot of you have been asking, when are we going to get that other story that you had mentioned? That's where we're at. I wanted to have it recorded last weekend, and she never responded to a text since last Wednesday. I have not received one text back from her, and I've texted probably four or five times. Just, hey, checking in. Hey, just wanted to see if you still want to do the story and just being ignored. So I don't know what to tell you at this point other than it's in limbo, and if she doesn't want to do it, maybe there's a way to get it out there. And if not publicly, then behind the scenes, I feel it's a moral obligation to say and do something because this is not right. What's going on? So, or what happened this year? So, um, yeah, I'm not giving out any names. I'm not telling you what happened, but you will know if and when the story comes out, the serious nature of this and why this has taken so long other than, you know, her ignoring me for the last week and not responding to a text and I can't get an answer of what's going on. So there's that. I also had a little bit of a screw up in the Bob interview today, and I'm so bummed because one thing I talked about on my daily roundup today was I think it's about time that The Bachelor casts, at least for one season, let's try it. Let's just cast somebody that wasn't previously on another season. Let's not recycle. I've I've reached the point where for the longest time, because I was always front and center being like, look, recycling works. This is what the fans want. They want someone. You already have a built-in fan base. Anytime you cast the new lead as someone that was formerly on the show, they have a built-in fan base. People want to see them find love. But I think the last one we ever had was Brad Womack, was the, was the last lead that was named the lead and you didn't know who he was because he wasn't on a previous season. Everyone since then, I think, has been a recycled lead. You had seen them on this franchise before. So all I'm saying is, look, it's been, what, 20 seasons? What's one time? We know ratings are dropping all across the board on network TV. They tried this gimmick with the two bachelorettes. Didn't really work out. The women were great. The format sucked. Why not try it at this point? What do you have to lose? And I think it would, you know, maybe, you know, yes, there will be people like, oh, my God, you didn't cast Nate. Oh, my God, you didn't cast Zach. I'm not watching. You get that shit every season. And then people watch. So I think it's possible to just name a bachelor that we don't know, like, Good family, good job, good-looking guy, comes from a great background, and just make make him the bachelor and see what happens. It, you you can't possibly do any worse than you're doing right now, right? So do it. I think it would be I, I think it would be a, a breath of fresh air. It'd be interesting, and yeah, maybe that you don't have a built-in fan base for this guy, and it's easier for people to be like, all right, then I'm out because I don't even know who this guy is, but. You never know. It might draw interest like, oh, wow, finally, they did something different. I'm going to watch. So I and this is just my opinion. I have not heard that this is what they're going to do. And, you know, the way everything that, you know, I said last week and the way they defended Nate and he got the Disney VIP tour and how they put him on the hot seat. and He's going to come across looking really good on the men tell all all the guys defend him. Gabby defends him. It's just like they're going out of their way for Nate. So that's why I've thought that he's the guy that they want. I'm just saying, why not do something different for the longest time? I've been like, no recycle is the way to go. It makes all the sense in the world. And it still makes sense to recast a recycled contestant. But how about for the first time since Brad Womack season one of Brad, not Brad Womack 2.0. How about we just get somebody who's new? There's nothing wrong with that. Let's try it. And I'm not saying this every season going forward. I'm just saying, maybe for this season we do it. What's wrong with that? Are they going to listen to me? Probably not. It's probably going to be a recycled person. But that was just my opinion. 
The thing that I screwed up on with Bob was Bob was the first bachelor. He was bachelor number four. There was Alex, Aaron, and Andrew. All guys were new. Bob was the first recycled bachelor. And I totally forgot to ask him about that. I totally forgot to ask him what he thought the show should do. I really, I had it in my notes and I just totally looked over it and just forgot to ask. But I really wanted to ask him about that, what he thinks of recycled leads versus new leads. And if he thinks that this show should maybe try going in a different direction. We talked about a lot of things on this podcast uh, back when he was the first Bachelorette, being the first group of guys ever because he was on Bachelorette season one. He was on Trista season um, I think it's just you know, obviously it's a completely different show now. We've we've talked about this anytime I've had an old school contestant on. Just back then, it was a completely different show. the The numbers were crazy. Did you know that Bob Guineas and I tell him this in the podcast, but I'll kind of spoil it for you here. Did you know Bob Guineas premiere in September of two thousand three was the highest rated Bachelor premiere ever? Twelve and a half million people tuned into his premiere in September of two thousand three. 12 and a half million. You're lucky if you get four to four and a half million for any bachelor or bachelorette first episode. Now millions of viewers, not, not rating 12 and a half million viewers for his first episode. I mean, it, it just, it's crazy. Now, obviously things have changed since 2003, 20 years ago and 19 years ago. We all know about streaming now and way more options. I get it, but still 12 and a half million is a boffo number and he got it. And he's the leader in the clubhouse with 12 and a half million for any bachelor season, at least according to Wikipedia and nothing on Wikipedia is wrong. Right? So yeah, that's where we're at with, with Bob. So anyway, I, I really hope you uh, enjoy this. This was a lot of fun to talk to Bob about this. So uh, let's just, um, let's get going here. But before we do that, got to talk to you about Dame products. Let's be honest. Sex is better when everyone's enjoying themselves, right? That's why Dame Products designed Eva, the first hands-free vibrator for couples. Boost pleasure and connection for all with a little toy that won't get in the way. Sharing pleasure during intimacy not only feels good in your body, but it can increase your emotional connection and decrease your stress levels. So you can take those good feelings with you throughout the day. But in order to get there, even the most sexually motivated couples can benefit from a strategically placed buzz. That's the product Eva. Like I've said, these products are all sent to me by Dame Products. I don't use them because, well, (laughs) there's no partner right now in my life. So I've sent them to my friends. I've mentioned this. They're in the reality TV world. They absolutely love them. They've even said it is better than the real thing sometimes, including their partners they have since broken up with. So, hint, hint. No, um, I don't care if you guess or not, but Dame Products is the place to be. When you think of vibrators, you think of Reality Steve. Ever since I've been promoting Dame, you guys have done a great job. Dame loves advertising on my podcast, and we're going to keep it going. Use code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. That's code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. All right, let's get going. Here it is, podcast number 301. All right, let's bring him in. You saw him on season one of The Bachelorette on Trista's season. Then he was named The Bachelor for season four of The Bachelor. By the way, we're in season 26. Um, You've seen him in multiple different TV hosting roles and also recently 
uh, co-hosting the Almost Famous OGs podcast with Trista. First time ever on the podcast, it is Bob Guinea. Bob, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it, man. I, I want to get something <laughs> right off the bat, and this is totally yes. weird. This might not even pertain to you, but for some reason, I have a memory of you in my mind, and I need to know. I need to get this clarified. Were okay. you, since you came onto our screens in 2003, was there at any point where you were in a cast or a walking boot or crutches? Why do I have a, why do I have this memory that you were injured at one point and were on TV? Did that happen? Yeah. So I, oh yeah. So I had, uh, well, it was actually, uh, you know, when they called me to, uh, to be on Trista's season of the bachelorette and I, it's a very, you know, kind of a weird story, but I, I really did not submit my own information. I didn't do anything. I didn't even know that they were going to be calling me. And uh, I had played football in college. And then years later, I had a bunch of knee injuries and, and several knee surgeries. And then years later, swinging a golf club, and I, my knee just exploded. So I had a full leg cast on. And then as I was rehabbing my, my knee injury, I ruptured my Achilles tendon on the same leg. So then I had a walking boot on. <laughs> and, um, and so when I uh, first interviewed, so they, you know, I, I started getting a call from uh, Lacey Pemberton, who, you know, I've, I've told this story a bunch, but Lacey had kind of a scratchy voice. And I, of course, you know, I didn't submit my own info. So I have someone calling me, telling me they're calling about me applying to be on The Bachelorette. And I'm like, what? That's not, you know, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I assume it's someone messing with me because, quite frankly, I've never been heavier in my life. I just come off of a, you know, a, a full leg cast and then a walking boot. I was probably 25 pounds heavier than, than uh, you know, what I was usually at that point in my life. And um, oddly enough, that's that's when they flew me out to L.A. to meet with me to talk to me about being on the show. And um, and I ended up, uh, you know, with with my uh, leg wrapped in a garbage bag uh, sitting in the hot tub. Because, <laughs> you know, back then it was like you didn't want to get your cast or your walking boot wet, but you couldn't take it off. So. You know, the loss changed, obviously. That was 20-some years ago. But, yeah, so that's – that's. but I, I don't know that I was ever necessarily um, on – I wasn't on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor with it on my foot. But okay. I know they had footage of me uh, with it on because when they came to do, like, the, you know, the interview for The Bachelorette and stuff like that, I was still wearing it. So, yeah. It must have been that. And I, and I only asked that because I currently am in a <clears> – <throat> A walking boot. I tore my Achilles um, on August first. Oh, so it's a tough injury to come back from. I, but I will tell you. So here. So if I may say this, first of all, I want yeah. to find out how you did it too. But once, you, if you rehab your Achilles properly, which I can tell you, I did not. Mm. Um, you will. It'll be stronger than ever. Like it really is one. But it's just such a pain in the butt. To, how did you? How did you do yours? I was just at the gym and I was doing mountain climbers and I just planted and it popped. It was just old oh, age, you know, yeah. old age. It wasn't anything I hadn't done before. I'd done mountain climbers numerous times at the gym and this time yeah. I'm 47 years old and it just stretched and popped. And, um, oh. yeah. And it, you know, it was weird because <clears throat> did not feel any pain. Kind of like when, um, you know, I've equated it to, we've seen athletes in recent seasons, Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant both tore their Achilles on the court, and all they did was fall to the ground and grab their Achilles. They didn't scream in pain, and and that's the right, exact same thing right. I did. It didn't hurt at all. It just was gone. Like I, I'm pinching my yeah. Achilles, and it was just goo. It was nothing there. Oh, so God, that's so brutal. So I had yeah. my surgery. <clears throat> they reattached it last Wednesday, the tenth. So I'm 12 days in. I just got my splint off yesterday. 
and now I'm in a walking boot, but they don't want me putting pressure on it for literally another two and a half months. Like I am on a, oh, I'm on a knee, I'm on a knee scooter for probably yeah. till end of mid to end of October, I think. Yeah. Ah, uh, the knee scooters are cool. I haven't had any, uh, I better knock on wood somehow, some way. I haven't had any injuries since the knee scooters came out, but man, that, I wish they would have had those back in the day because I literally, my armpits were raw from being on crutches for so long that it, especially right before going on the bachelorette, it was crazy. I didn't get the knee so. scooter till about two days after, no, actually about four days after the injury. And I was on crutches for those four days. I'm like, this is, this is hell. I need a scooter. There's yeah. no way I'm going to last <laughs> with crutches. Yeah. I know. The scooter is actually fun too. You can actually move around. It oh. seems like, it, you know. Yeah, it's I've messed great. around with a few of them in the past, and I, you know, I will say, I, I, if it happens to me again, which I hope it doesn't anytime soon, but the knee scooter is a way to go for sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a lifesaver, but yeah, I'm, I you know, as I've told people <clears throat> recently on my podcast, toughest thing for me since the injury, if, you know, if you include the injury, include the surgery, the toughest thing for me has been showering. Like it's just such a chore. Yeah to wheel on over to the shower, open up the shower door. I have a seat in the shower now because I can't stand and put any pressure on my foot. I'm just, and then, you know, drying off in the shower so I'm not walking out of a shower <laughs> soaking wet, getting back onto a scooter. Like, it is just, oh. oh Isn't it something that's amazing how, how uh, little things like that can become such big things? Oh, I know. The convenience of what you're used to, you know, isn't there for you, so. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, I wish you a speedy recovery, <laughs> and I, I know I know that injury very well, and I hope uh, I hope you come back stronger than ever. When you when you say you didn't um, do the recovery properly, what did you, what did you did you not go to physical therapy or you went to a, a bad yeah. one or what? No, I had a great physical therapist. I went back. Um, I was because you know I, I rushed my knee injury back because I was like I wanted to play softball that season. I wanted to play in my basketball league. I was still really you know athletic at the time and. Uh, in relatively decent shape until the back-to-back injuries made me, uh, you know, the fat cow that everyone got to meet on the Bachelorette. But um, it was one of those things where I literally was like in, the, in this place where it was kind of like I was doing the rehab. I was I was taking it seriously, but I was also ready just to get back on with my life. You know what I mean? It, yeah. was, it was one of those things where, um, you know, I started doing the rehab. I was doing the, the calf raises and all the different things that I was, you know, supposed to be doing. But I mean, even to this day, like when I look down, I can tell my what my right calf is so much leaner and skinnier than my left calf, mm. um, and it's and that's I know that's due to the, the Achilles injury because I didn't take the time to properly rehab it. Once it started working again, you know, once I was, well, I mean, it literally was. I think uh, I was walking for maybe four weeks when I went on the Bachelorette, which was crazy because i did the running man and all that stuff on the show and you know i didn't even think about it at the time until the next era i was like oh my god i could have like blown my achilles again you know um but it was one of those things you just in the moment having fun screwing around and um you know and i really was kind of like of the mindset that i was just going to make sure i had a lot of fun because i didn't think i was going to last that long you know and i ended up staying a whole lot longer than i anticipated so um but yeah it was it was definitely one of those things i wish i would have gone back after my time on the bachelorette and before my time on the bachelor and just focused on rehabbing that properly because it's given me, you know, when you, when you play sports and stuff like that, it's in your head. It's not necessarily that anything's going to go wrong. It's not that it's going to pop again. It's not, it's, but you think about it. And when you think about it, you're not thinking about what you're doing on the basketball court or whatever. And so it becomes a hindrance, you Mm -hmm. know? So yeah, from that perspective, I wish I just would have taken a little more time with it. Yeah, no, I was told from the very beginning, like, hey, this is this is a long recovery. Like, you're not even going to start yeah. doing rehab for three months, and then 
your rehab's going to be a while. They said, you know, three months before I start walking without any assistance, and then, you know, a good six to nine months before any running and or jumping starts taking place. And I'm just, yeah, you know, looking looking ahead to that, I'm just like, God, even the first time that I do any sort of pushing off really hard off that or jumping off one leg, I'm going to be paranoid that it's yeah. just, it's going to, it's going to pop again. You know, how can you not? Yeah. It'll be in your head, man. There's no doubt it'll be in your head, yeah. but if you do it right, you know, you'll be fine. So, but it, it is a tough injury and, and hopefully you come back quicker and more agile than ever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Enough Achilles talk uh, for the first yes. 10 minutes. Um, all right. I want to get back. I want to go back to the first season you were on, which was the first bachelorette season we ever had. You were yes. part of the first group of guys ever cast on this show. And it seems obviously like a lifetime ago. I mean, let's face it. You've been married twice since you were on this show, but yeah, and yep, yep. I know you've made some lifelong friends in this franchise. So I don't want to ask, you know, do you still look back fondly on the show? Because I'm guessing you do, but I do. when yeah. you do look back either to competing on trust season or being the bachelor, what's something that like really sticks out to you about those experiences? Um, you know, first of all, that's a really, that's a great question. Cause I mean, you know, you, you get asked this, that question a lot in the standard format where you were like, I'm not going to ask you this way. And I, I appreciate that. I think, um, you know, I look back on it just as it was such a different time in so many ways. I mean, one of them in particular was we had no idea what we were getting into. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was, there hadn't really been, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot of, seasons to watch previously i think i i knew who trista was um from like maybe seeing the ads of the show and stuff but i hadn't really watched the show previously um and like i said i wasn't really part of my own submission process at all i didn't even know i'd been submitted until they flew me out to until they finally were like we're gonna send you a plane ticket i mean the the story was kind of insane and my brother-in-law said it best at the time my brother-in-law was like man if you would have tried to do this it would have never worked He's like, the reason why it works is because you didn't try and you really were naive and just like, yeah, let's do it. What the hell? It sounds like fun. You know, and that and that was kind of how I went into it at the time. And, you know, for better or for worse, it, you know, you go into something like that. You really don't know what you're getting into. And so you say dumb things and do dumb things, which, you know, I, I have a history of that anyway. But it was um, it was a really cool experience. You know, I, I had I had no idea exactly how I ended up there in the first place until you know, I found out over time and kind of the more organic process of finding it out. At the time, we really didn't have, um, we didn't talk, like you weren't even, you were told you weren't allowed to talk about it, right? So you was kind of one of those things where you can't tell anybody where you're at in this process and all this kind of stuff. So it was mom's the word as far as that goes. And, um, and there was no social media yeah. at all at the time. I mean, I think, you know, uh, maybe MySpace was around, maybe, I don't even really know, but I remember not knowing much about anything with social media. So we went on to it with just kind of the mindset of, you know, and, and I mean, I think it reflects on the show too, because at the time we actually genuinely got along really well. Like the guys, there wasn't a ton of drama from the guys uh, interacting with each other until probably later towards the end, you know, and maybe that picked up a little bit more um, once it got to like hometown dates and things like that. But where I was at, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It, we all got along really well. We all thought Tristan was awesome, which she is. And, you know, it was like one of those things where, you know, she was a very genuine person. So she got a lot of genuine responses in kind, you know, and I think um, I, and not to say that the show doesn't feature genuine people now. I think it probably still does. But the difference is now you go on to it knowing a lineage of there's been villains. Oh, there, we didn't even know there was a, supposed to be a villain. You know, it's like we all got along and 
you know, and everything else. It was like, now, you know, there's going to be one of those people. And then you also know there's going to be, you know, um, an opportunity for you to do some things afterwards with social media and all that, which again, didn't exist at the time. So I don't know, you know, I think, I think it's just a lot different nowadays. Um, but from my experience, I would say it really was an organic experience. It really was a, a pretty, I don't want to use the word wholesome cause you still are, you know, dating on a TV show, but it's, it definitely was one of those things where it was just sort of like, let's just go for it, have fun and see what happens. Yeah, and I'm there, guessing there wasn't a lot of preconceived notions. I'm guessing if I asked most of the guys in your cast, probably the same thing. Just because it was more organic back then, and you know the for the right reasons mantra that you know everyone says people go on it for right now. You know, oh, they're not there for the right reasons. It really wasn't prevalent back then because, like you said, you didn't even know what you were getting into, and we didn't know what the reasons were. We, we <laughs> yeah. all, I mean, we literally would laugh about that when that first term first came up. I think it did come up during Trista's season. And I remember we were joking about it, like, well, what are the right reasons to go on a TV dating game show? We don't know, mm. you know? And um, we're just here to have some fun and, and meet a really pretty girl who we wouldn't have met otherwise. And, you know, man, she's awesome and she's funny and she's charming. And, you know, she's trying, she was really trying to find that connection, which she clearly did with Ryan. And it was just, you know, it was, it was really a different, thing but you're right yeah like when people go on and say you know i'm here for the right reasons at that time we honestly we we didn't even know what the right reasons were we just knew that are you open to finding love in a different way and the answer for all of us that were there was was more, more than likely was yes you know yeah we believe it can happen you can find love anywhere and that was kind of the the line that you know we knew sort of set the the, the precedence for the show was do, do you believe in love at first sight do you believe you can fall in love in a, in a weird environment yeah of course you can fall in love anywhere okay great you know, and that was kind of the mindset. And and when The Bachelorette was first announced, it was the first season, like I said, the reception of a show like that, especially back in 2003, was not necessarily positive. You've heard Trista say it in numerous interviews. She thought she'd be called a slut. She thought she'd be called a hussy yeah. and was called that by, by members of the media at the time. Did it ever cross any of your guys' minds being on the first Bachelorette season? Like, whoa, we're almost like we're almost groundbreakers here of what's going on, that this is going to be like, I mean, first off, I don't think there's any way that you thought when you guys were on that show. Yeah. In 2022, this show will still be around. Like there's no way oh, you no. thought that. I don't think anybody, you know, I don't even think production that, thought that. No, when they actually, when they asked me to be the bachelor, um, you know, one of the main reasons I was really hesitant to do it was I was like, Oh my God, what if I, what if the show gets canceled after I'm the guy? I can't, I, I don't think I could live with that. You yeah. know, it was like one of those things because all of a sudden you were part of this pop culture kind of phenomenon a little bit, but no, we, you know, none of us, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us went on there expecting it to, to be around, you know, 20 some years later. And, um, and I, I do remember, you know, a lot of the interviews that I did immediately after the show and that, that topic did come up. I remember being asked the question, like, you know, what do you think of, Trista for going on a show like this. And I was very protective of her and still am to this day. You know, if someone were to ask me a question like that, I'd be like, you know, I think it takes a lot of guts. I mean, yeah. she was she was unhappy where she was in her life and she, she wasn't necessarily unhappy with what she was doing, but she was unhappy in love and hadn't found the right connection and she was willing to give it a shot. And now people do that every day. But back then, you're right, definitely groundbreaking. But I think more so on her behalf than on ours. You know, I think we were just sort of cogs in the wheel and she was clearly the you know the the one who was kind of taking it next level. Yeah, and I think media back then, media coverage of just you know women in general in the early two thousands, even in later two thousand two thousand ten, it was just it was just covered differently. Women's uh, sexual exploits were were definitely magnified, and and 
taken apart by the media. And it just, obviously, we're in different times now. But back then, it was just, unfortunately, it was the norm. And that's the way things were. And nobody blinked an eye at it. Now, yeah, Trista would never get asked the question. If she was the Bachelorette now, just like the Bachelorettes we're dealing with now, they're never, they're never brought up the questions that Trista had to deal with at the time. I mean, hell, in 2015 or 2016, Caitlin was slut shamed because she had sex with with Nick before the overnight dates and that became like a some sort of big deal when it's just like what is the big deal I mean right it really yeah, isn't yeah it's like you're allowed to do that people have sex in relationships it's what happens you know right right and if, and if you are you know really hoping someone's gonna find love at the end of this thing they need to be compatible on more than just a conversational level so yeah you know it's important that they explore that as well but yeah yeah I remember I do remember that on Caitlin's season I remember thinking that it was pretty. Uh, that was a, a definitely a little bit of a slanted thing at the time. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I will say I think I thought I thought Trista handled it so, with so much grace, and, and you know she really went through that thing with you know a great sense of humor and and wasn't taking herself too seriously, even though she was taking the process seriously. And I think that you know that was a that was a, a, a defining factor too for you know our friendship and and to be able to you know continue with our friendship so many years later, 20 years later. And, and now we are on a, doing a show together. It's, it's great. You know, it's a lot of fun. Like the funny thing was when I was looking this stuff up on, on Wikipedia and I pulled up bachelorette season one, it was so long ago that they don't even have some of the last names for probably half the guys on your season. It just says <laughs> Rob, Mike, Josh, Billy. I'm like, who, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but yep. yeah, it's like of these 25 guys, I'm looking at it right now. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 guys have last names on Wikipedia. They can't even find oh, these guys of crazy. who they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> who knows? I mean, I'm sure you keep in. I don't know how many do you keep in touch with from your season. Uh, you know, quite a few. I mean, uh, so I still keep in touch with Ryan and obviously Trista, and then um, Charlie Maher, who was the runner runner up that yeah. year. He and I check in with each other every now and then, and we're always have been good friends. And then uh, Jamie Blythe, who was out of Chicago and yep. really good looking guy who had kind of an anxiety issue that he still works through today, and. He and I remain really good buddies. He's actually going to be, um, you know, coming uh, to, to my hometown area in the next couple of weeks here. We're going to get together. Jack French, who was um, a firefighter from Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've kept in touch with, with several of them. And I've also crossed paths randomly. Like even this past, I go to the Kentucky Derby every year. And yeah. this past year, I'm down at the Derby. And this guy walks over to me and he's like, uh, you know, Bob, how have you been? And I'm like, how do I know this guy? And so I'm like trying to keep a conversation going with him while I'm trying to remember how I know him. And then finally, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I, how do we know each other? And he's like, I was wondering if you were going to ask me. And he's like, I wasn't going to tell you, but he's like, I'm the guy on the first night in the mansion on Trista's season. And I was like probably the second or third guy to get out of the limo and come inside. I don't really remember, but I know I was in there pretty early. And he's in there and he is just this, I mean, just chiseled, you know, taller Asian, Asian guy. And, He's like, um, just, you know, really good looking guy. And I, I walk over, I'm talking to him and he, I could tell he was sizing me up a little bit, you know, and he's like, uh, I said, so what do you do? And he's like, I study the martial arts. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, and at this point I've already, you know, probably three or four drinks in and having a good time. He's like, how about you? Do you, you know, do you study the martial arts? I said, I do. I, I too study the martial arts. He's like, what discipline? I said, uh, Taibo. At the time, I don't know if you remember this, but Taibo Oh yeah, I remember Billy Blanks. Grace. <laughs> yeah. And he goes. I'm sorry, that's not a discipline. I'm like, well, you should tell Billy Blanks that. And it, anyway, whatever, it, 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 was, it never made it on the show, but it was a very funny exchange between the two of us. And 
I don't even think there were cameras around at that point. And he remembered the whole thing and brought it up and reminded me of the story. I'm like, oh, my God, that was awesome. And so, you know, exchange numbers with him, reconnected with him because he lives in Louisville now. And so I would see him. I, can, I was seeing him next year when we go back down. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. I think you kind of have this weird moment in, in time that you share with some people. And, you know, every now and then you see each other. And it's a good memory for almost all of us. So. Which, which guy was it? I'm looking at the names of all your guys on your season from, night, from week one. Which guy Hang was it? Hang on a second. Let me pull him up right now on my phone because I, I think it's—I actually do think it's Billy. But when you said Billy, that's what actually made me think of it. Okay, yeah, there was a Billy Week One Hermosa Beach, California firefighter. That's him. Okay, so now he's—you oh, he's, said he moved to Kentucky now, so now that's where you're gonna. Yeah, he's well, he split—he splits time between Kentucky, oddly enough, and and uh, out in uh, Hermosa Beach. So, he's, but yeah, he's a firefighter. Gotcha. Him. Um, okay, so you get you well. You lasted far on the season. You got you got to episode, I believe, right? But you finished fifth. So I don't remember if they did four hometowns back then, if it was only three, because obviously, being that first season, it was still shortened. It was way different. You started with twenty five guys, but ten got eliminated on the first night. You're down to yeah. fifth. You're down to fifteen in episode two. That just doesn't happen nowadays. But so when it ended for you on that season, what did you think? was next for you or did they immediately have you in mind for next bachelor? How did it go in terms of when that season ended versus when bachelor talk started happening for you? Yeah. You know, I, I think at the time, I think that they, they would sort of say things that everybody that was, you know, had been on the show a little while, um, you know, would you ever consider being the next bachelor? And I, it didn't seem like a particularly original question when they asked it of me. And I, yeah. so I was like, you know, Oh, you know, sure. Why not? But I was also in that moment where I was, I mean, even though Trista and I really had more of a friendship connection and not like a romantic connection, I was still kind of like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going home. This is over, you know? And so the experience being over really resonated, you know, with the fact that you're sitting there and you know, you're thinking, Oh my gosh, what, the, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, I thought we were going to my hometown because you, really do kind of get to that point where you're like, this, this could be such an incredibly fun experience. I, I want her to meet my family and I want her to, you know, which she has done now over the years. But, um, but I remember, you know, I, I don't remember it being anything that was necessarily floated in my direction that night, let's say, or anything like that. It wasn't until um, Oprah, who, you know, Oprah had started having me on her show as a frequent guest once The Bachelorette started airing. Um, and, you know, especially in the earlier times and I was going on a show and cooking with her chef, Art Smith and cooking with his firefighters. And I'm not even a particularly good cook. Um, and just doing funny segments with her. And then she started kind of bringing it up. Like, I think Bob should be the next bachelor, you know? And, uh, of course, you know, if Oprah says it, it's, 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 you know, definitely going to have a better chance of happening than, uh, you know, if anybody else says it, I guess. And, uh, and so I, that's when I started kind of feeling a little bit more of the buzz about it was, you know, once Oprah kept bringing it up every time I'd be on her show. Hmm. And then you obviously get named the bachelor. And if I remember correctly, cause you were bachelor number four, there was Alex, Aaron and Andrew before you. Yes. Now that I think about it, that's like three A's in a row. It's like, okay, let's get a bachelor. Let's get a bachelor that starts with B and then just, just <laughs> let's go, go down. B. The, yeah. yeah. Let's go to the B. Let's go B. Um, if I remember correctly, you might've been the first season where I remember the limos pulling up and women chanting the lead's name. I remember the girls yeah. screaming, Bob, Bob, Bob. And now it's like... That was pressure. Yeah. I, I remember that. I, yeah, they... So I guess I was... I think I was the first one that they announced who it was before 
they open like they said Bob's gonna be our next batch. So if you want to meet Bob, you know that kind of a thing. Like, yeah, Chris would do that. And um, I think uh, I think that was that's the story I've always been told anyway. And yeah, they would they were they were pulling up, and I heard them coming around the corner, you know, chanting my name as I'm standing there. As as uh, you know, Chris was like, okay, good luck, Bob. I'll you know, I'll be back to check on you later, type of thing. And all of a sudden, I started hearing that and. Man, I remember the nerves just, oh, my God. I, I think I was honestly, up until that moment, it didn't even feel real. Up until that moment, it was just sort of one of those things where I was like, wow, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, I was just like, holy smokes, here we go. Yeah. And I remember it being, that was when the pressure started to, to build. Yeah, I do remember the chanting. And now it happens quite often. I mean, I think it happens every yeah. season now. But you were the first. I don't remember them ever chanting Alex or Aaron or Andrew. I, I could be wrong, but distinctly remember the Bob chant. So I'm going to go with, yeah. you were the first one where they <laughs> chanted your name. And as I, I told you, so. as I told you before we started recording and, and this is for the listeners as well. Now, just going on Wikipedia, you had the highest premiere ratings in terms of millions of viewers in the history yeah. of the show, 12 and a half million people turned into you turned into your premiere wow. on September 24th, 2003. Um, I mean, it's, wow. that's a, that number is so astronomical to think about now considering premieres nowadays draw four or five million people now granted different time way more options and we get it that streaming is now a big thing and you have so many different options to tune into but still 12 and a half million to tune into your premiere is a boffo number for sure yeah that's, a, that's definitely a big number yeah I, I mean i i never knew that i i had always heard that uh that uh Aaron, uh, Aaron's was the largest, uh, premiere, but you know, either way, very flattering. I mean, obviously coming off of Trista season, which was a juggernaut, you know, I mean, that was like getting friends style numbers for, you know, Trista was. So it was, I think, you know, there was probably some of that and the curiosity of the whole thing and, and everything else, but yeah, that's very, that's a, that's an overwhelming number. And I think it's like you said, now, I think the show probably now, uh, you know, now you're right now, now social media plays a much larger role in, how that those episodes get out there and everything else. Whereas then it was just, you know, I, I mean, I, my, my wife always teases me. She's always like, well, you know, you had what three black and white channels to choose from back then. You know, <laughs> it's messing with me. <laughs> she's yeah. like, she's like, with all due respect, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably true. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is one of those things. Now you look at it and it's such a part of the zeitgeist. Now it's like just this, you know, this humongous thing. But back then it was, you know, it was uh, definitely, it was a must see TV, I guess, for a, a certain period of time. And thankfully it was, you know, while, while uh, Trista and Andrew and Aaron and all of us were on there. So well, just, fun. I'm just looking at the, the start dates for this on Wikipedia and it's now just coming into my mind. Like they pumped out three seasons of this show in 2003. Trista's season aired from January to March of, yep. Of, of January, I mean, January to March of 2003. Then Andrew's season aired, uh, premiered on March 24th and ended on May 21st. And then your season premiered three months later, four months later, September 24th and ended on November 20th. So they had three seasons yeah. in 2003. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I and mean, that, that year, I think, was huge. I, you know, I remember it was kind of a cool thing about them sort of smashing all those seasons together the way that they did. I mean, obviously they knew they had something special. It was, you know, awesome to be a part of it then. But um, I remember the premiere party of my episode. I remember Alex Michelle was there. It might be the last time. Anyone's ever seen him? One of the events. <laughs> yeah. I remember Aaron was there and Andrew was there and, and uh, Jen Schaff and then Tristan Ryan. 
And then Andrew was with me in Manhattan when the premiere episode aired. Mm. And I remember, you know, he and I still laugh about it today because, I mean, I just think he's he is one of the driest, funniest guys. But they uh, they they show, you know, kind of the encapsulation of the whole season and they the preview of what's going to happen. And uh, they show me at the kitchen table in, in at our lake house. And I'm pouring wine and I'm like, this is a, you know, vintage Guinea stone vineyards. And I have to look next to me to my buddy, Andrew Firestone. He's like, nice, dude. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny. You know, it was like one of those moments that you're not going to get to share with too many people, you know, and uh, the fact that he and I had that one was pretty great. I mean, you go through your season and you get to the end and back then, I mean, they liked having engagements at the end, but you did not get engaged to Estella at the end. You gave her a promise yeah. ring or whatever. I, I'm just curious, probably not now, it doesn't really matter now, but back in those years, 2003, 2004, 5, 6, whatever it was, and this isn't to, this isn't any sort of slight on Estella or anything like that, but when people asked you or, you know, asked you about your personal life, did you technically ever count that? I mean, well, you didn't get engaged, so I can't say you can't, <laughs> I just answered my own question. No, you didn't even yeah, get engaged. I, you, I was going to say, do you count that as engagement? Engaged, but you didn't, no. so, yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of funny. After that experience, um, you didn't have to count it because they counted it for you. Yeah. you know, like they, uh, it was, you know, you went from this, this situation of having a lot of anonymity to all of a sudden everyone knowing pretty much everything about your, your personal life. So it was kind of like, you know, they'd say, well, other than Estella, you know, and but, um, but yeah, you know, I got to the end of the show and I was just, I was a nervous wreck, you know, and I remember, um, going to Harry Winston, which is the, the jeweler of the show at the time. And I remember just being so nervous and I was just, I, I mean, it was just one of those things. And, and, and I decided, I was like, well, I'm gonna give her a promise ring because that way at least we can date and figure out if, what we have in common. Cause right now it's awesome, but I'm so, you know, there's a camera here 24 hours a day and, you know, I, it wasn't as comfortable of, a, of an experience i mean i've seen some stuff where you know lorenzo Bergesi talked about how uncomfortable he was i wouldn't say i was uncomfortable with the experience but i was definitely like i mean this isn't you know i'm i'm used to once in a while getting upgraded the first class and here i'm flying around in a private jet all the time this is not my life you know so yeah. i need to get back to my life and see how this person fits into it you know and um but it was just one of those things. I remember, I remember the nerves of that moment and the situation, but yeah, people, you know, I would, it was kind of interesting because a different, you know, view of the show back then too was, and I'm sure you remember this cause you've covered it so, so intimately over the years, but it was, it was really a thing back then to kind of make you always think it was going to be the other girl. Yeah. Right. So like they, they're the, the editing and everything would always be that about that. And so I remember coming off of the show and, and, people not even feeling like they knew Estella, but they knew Kelly Joe. And then, you know, it was one of those things and it was really difficult because they're both awesome. You know, like I've still, I still keep in touch with Kelly Joe and Estella. Estella just, you know, had a couple uh, big moments in her life recently, which are awesome. And Kelly Joe's got, you know, three kids and, you know, it's just, so it's one of those things where you're in that moment and you're, at least I felt so protective of both of them that it was really hard to kind of go through that and have people be like, you know, I can't believe you didn't pick Kelly Joe. And, you know, or I'm so glad you picked Estella and, and not Kelly Joe. And you're kind of like, well, they're both awesome. You know, like I found myself feeling like I was trying to defend both of them at the time when not that they necessarily needed it, but it was just sort of how I'm wired, I guess. What did you, I mean, was it just a, was it a logistics thing with Estella? Why didn't it work out? Or was it just one of these things where, Hey, I, you know, as you know, over the years, we've heard from numerous former leads that said like, you barely know this person by the time you get to the end of filming, you've maybe spent a total of three 
full days with them over the course of the time of filming. If you added up all the hours together. So, you know, the ending is basically, yes, they want an engagement, but that's just, you know, the relationship starts once the cameras end. So what was it with Estella that, um, just ultimately led to your guys breakup? Was it just, Hey, we got to know each other and it just wasn't, we weren't compatible. Something like that. I think it was, it was probably, it was probably a little bit of that. Probably just, you know, like, I, I mean, it was one of those things that was just, you come off of the show and, you know, the, the unfortunate part, you know, of that, of the timing of that, uh, that season was, you know, um, we finished filming it in like July. And so, you know, by the time the show finale aired in November, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, even to this day, I get sort of fired up about it when I see it, like a, something will pop up and it'll be like, you know, shortest relationships in bachelor history. And it's always got Estelle and I on there. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, man. We were together from July until December. That's I guarantee you that is longer than some of these things. But you know the way they look at it was from when the finale aired, which um, yep. I think you said was end November of November twentieth. Yeah, November. yeah. And then we I think we broke up right around Christmas time. So it was like sort of one of those things that you know it was it seemed like it was much shorter than it was. And I, and I do get that. I understand how it would be perceived that way. But no, I mean I I think she's lovely. I mean she's you know. But it was one of those things. I think that. I was just at a different place in my life and I came off the show and I was trying to figure out what was, you know, what was real and where I was with things. And, you know, I, I didn't even get it right uh, when I got married the, <laughs> the first time off the show. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I was like Ross from friends. I didn't want to be stacking up engagements and, uh, and divorces at the time. And I ended up doing it anyway. But um, yeah, I think it was more one of those things. It's probably, I mean, I, I know this is probably going to sound like a cop out, but it's probably more me than it was her from the standpoint of, where we were and, and, you know, what kind of potential we had moving forward. I was in Michigan. She was in California at the time. I didn't see myself going to California because I felt like everybody that was on a reality show moved to California. So I also didn't want to be one of those guys. And, um, but then I ended up marrying a person who was an actress and living in New York and she wanted to move to California. So we ended up in California anyway, (laughs) but you know, it was definitely one of those things I was, I was kind of like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we haven't seen each other. And, you know, it was very infrequent that we were able to see each other back then. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how they do it now. I know the seasons are a lot longer now, too. I think our season from tip to tail last when I did it was five weeks. Yeah, it's so about, it's about now, eight. It's about eight now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, still not a ton of time, but I really did feel like I knew Estella. I thought I knew her. I, I thought I knew her and Kelly Joe really well. And, um, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, still have cordial relationships with them to this day. But I think that it was one of those things that it was just, you come off of a show like that and you're like, what in the hell is going on with my life? You know? And if you, you, you know, like I said to uh, Tristan and Ryan, and I really believe this, they, they chose to focus inward. Right. So it was like, they really kind of folded within, you know, and I think in, in those circumstances, that's the couple that has the best chance to make it. You know, yeah, and um, and maybe you know, I, I know I'm guilty of not having done that at that time as well as I could have or should have, and and so from that perspective. But I also think everything works out the way it's supposed to, and you know, you you're you're where you are now as a result of those experiences. So I'm thankful for the experience and and you know the relationships, and but I, I wouldn't have it any other way, I guess. You mentioned something about Estella having something major go down in her life recently. I want to say I. I recently saw her name pop up in something, and now I can't remember what it was. What? Yeah, she she got engaged and married. Okay, that's what it was. All right, yeah, that's what yeah. I saw. Yeah, I remember yeah, seeing and her name she opened up. her own business. She also opened up her own business, which is a Pilates studio, which she's been really active in for a long time. And you know, um, it's just it's great to see. I mean, 
I just, you know, when you care about someone and even though, you know, obviously we were on a show together 20 years ago, but I still care about her. It was one of those things is like, it, it's, it is awesome to see her finally find the right guy for her and all that good stuff. Cause I mean, it's, you know, she, she definitely was taking her time. You know, she, I, I, I thought at one point she might not get married, but I certainly was, you know, hopeful that she would be able to find that relationship she's looking for. And she did it. So. I should have I should have looked this up before, but I'm gonna just ask it right away. And I think you were, but I'm trying to remember in my interview with her. Were you part of that whole reality group that was in the scorned? Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Against <laughs> against uh, my better judgment and against Andy Cohen's advice at the time. By the way, Andy Cohen. That's really funny. Yeah. So Andy, um, <laughs> we were doing a show at the time on Bravo, and Andy was. He was not the Andy Cohen that he is on TV every day today. Yeah. I mean, he still was that same guy, but he wasn't an on-camera personality. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was more of an EP behind the scenes. And um, we were doing a show called Battle of the Network Reality Stars. We were filming it in Pepperdine University out in California. And mm-hmm. I was like a field, I was a field reporter for it. And I remember um, someone, I, I forget how it all came about, but they kept talking about doing this movie. And I was like, I think that sounds like fun. I've always wanted to do a horror film, you know, and I hate scary movies. So it's kind of weird that that was kind of a thing I always wanted to do, but I thought the campiness would be really funny. And I remember Andy Cohen going, Bob, you got a good thing going here. Don't ruin it with this stupid movie. <laughs> and, uh, but I ended up doing it anyways because I wanted to do it. And it was actually a lot of fun. I'm glad I did it. But it was, uh, you know, let's just say that um, I, I will tell you a, a little known fact about that movie that um, I don't think even the producer of the movie know is that my wife, uh, Jessica, she – literally every year for white elephant presents will buy, find a copy of that movie on somewhere buy it for like a buck 99 and wrap it up and give it to someone as a white elephant christmas <laughs> present joke <laughs> and she started doing it about three years ago and i was i thought it was just a one and done thing i'm like okay that's really funny i don't even know where you found that because i hadn't seen it at the time then we sat down to watch it with uh my buddy and his wife and their kids not realizing that you know it was going to open with like a sex scene yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible <laughs> i mean i'm like oh my god i swear i did not know that that was going to happen right there and um you know but it's pretty funny so she yeah she has a good laugh at my expense on that one i think your i think your wife may have raided my dvd collection because i have it i have one copy <laughs> so you know you know how it opens. oh yeah no i remember i remember because i was just i was all into the reality tv and the real world and the challenge back then and survivor so i was all into that and I've had Trish Schneider on the podcast a couple times, and I've brought it up both times because Trish was a major part of that uh, oh, movie. Yeah. She was the star. She was the star. Of it. Yeah. So I've always brought it up, and I said, Trish, I, I think the first time I had her on, she probably didn't think in a million years I'd ever bring that thing up. And I said, No, Trish, I have a copy. I've I own the scorned. Like, don't tell me. I, oh my God. It, it is. She's probably. I, I mean, in all sincerity, I thought she was. Once I watched it, because I hadn't watched it, and this is, you know, probably 15 years later that I actually watched it, and I was like, man, she's a pretty good actress. Yeah. Like, she was pretty pretty good in that, you know? Yeah. And um, the rest of us were garbage, but I thought Ethan <laughs> Ethan was good, you know, kind of being this weird kind of methed out guy or whatever he was. I thought that was pretty good, and I was awful, though. I was I was like, you know, that's why, like, if, if I can host something and just be funny and off the cuff, that's great. If I've got to, you know... And I mean, I got yelled at one day uh, filming that show. We were filming the the movie, and you know, they always film the scary part, like the the, the climax of the movie or the film. Uh, I'll say movie, um, 
they film that first, you know, which I've also never understood that part either, you know, why they do that with movies and stuff. But um, they filmed that part where I am like, I'm going to get killed. Oh, I don't want to ruin it for anyone who might want to go get this uh, movie, but spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, 20 years later, I get killed in it. And um, I remember I was laughing so hard. And the director was so mad at me. And he literally said, he's like, dude, what? if you can't take this seriously, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I did. I tried not to be here. I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, this is really funny to me. And it just became one of those things that I thought was such a funny moment. And, um, you know, but it's a horror film. So you're supposed to be really serious and terrifying and, you know, and everything. And yeah. So it was a funny experience for sure. But I, I think I kind of, uh, I may have set back a few of those scenes without uh, without intending to. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm really upset because I I pull up Rotten Tomatoes and I pull up the score as you're answering that, and it got a four percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's bullshit. This wasn't a four oh, percenter, <laughs> and no, it has no. it has one review on it, and the review says. The scorned is precisely what a movie that was slapped together by a bunch of reality show stars should be laughable. And that was the only, that's the only review on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it was kind of meant to be a humorous horror film. You know, maybe we mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, that's, I mean, I I don't think it was a four percenter. I mean, maybe a fiver, maybe a sixer, (laughs) you know, probably not a tenner, but uh, you know, it was definitely, um, no, it was, it was a fun experience. I mean, you know, you go through these moments in your life and it's almost like at that point, you know, you, it's almost kind of like, well, why not? Let me, you know, I want to experience this. I've, and at the time, you know, I mean, um, you know, my ex-wife was an actress. And so I thought, you know, well, I know I'm never going to really be an actor. This might be my only chance to ever do something fun like this that she gets to do all the time, you know? Yeah. But uh, there's definitely a reason why she's, you know, still got a career in that regard. And I uh, have quit uh, my acting. Well, I think um, I think one and done. back then it was also that was kind of the thing that reality stars were coming off their reality shows and being put in like kind of movies ish. I mean, that thing, the scorn was put together with a bunch of reality sh- show stars from different shows. But you yeah. can remember, you know, after season one of American Idol, they just decided to make a Justin and Kelly movie together. This summer beach. That's true. You know, yeah. bo- you know, not blockbuster because it certainly wasn't. But that's what I mean. It was just. This was early television. You wouldn't, they would never do yeah. this, something like this now. But um, yeah, that was right. certainly interesting. But yeah, The Scorned, I still have the DVD and um, it will remain. <laughs> I should probably just wrap it up and never touch it ever again. Just as I was like going to say, nostalgia you know, piece. Just kind of put it in the, uh, the reality Steve Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, if I, okay, so I, I need to set the record straight on something. And um, this has been a, um, I don't know, urban myth, urgent, urban legend for the course of probably the last 10, 12 years. If okay. I were to, if I were to say to you the Mike Fleiss quote about Bob Guinea, you would know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Well, I would know <laughs> the quote you're talking about. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I still haven't figured out what he's talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. okay, so in 2010 – they did a kind of like behind the scenes special of the bachelor where they kind of talked to a bunch of people who had been on the show. They talked to the creators, they talked to the producers and stuff like that. And, and on this special back in 2010, Mike Fleiss talked about the sex that happens on the show. And for whatever reason, this guy just throws out there. Yeah. Bob Guinea had sex with five and a half women on the show. And I, to this day, I don't know what it means. I don't even know if it's true, but can you clear anything up in regards to why he said that? And, 
you know, I honestly, I asked him, and I was like, what the hell was that? Like, you know, I mean, because I remember thinking to myself, first of all, what's a half? Yeah. And secondly, <laughs> you know, uh, I wasn't even alone with five or five and a half people. But, um, you know, I've never really been able to put my finger on that one. I think a lot of it was sort of uh, urban legend to a certain degree, I guess. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I used to get I used to get that question all the time. And so I would always, you know, I thought I was being really, like, smart and funny. And I always say, well, you know, a gentleman doesn't discuss that part of the show or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, honestly, I, I really can't say unless, you know, somehow he was – counting you know the fact that i had dated someone you know before i went on the bachelor and you know whatever i don't know you know yeah. so i mean that was also during the time of a lot of those um you know uh, reunion they might they might still do them i don't know but where we'd all get together in vegas you know like yeah. the previous three seasons and things like that i really don't know i mean in all honesty <laughs> i don't I, I can tell you that the number's not accurate uh but uh but it was also one of those things i remember the most horrible part of that was um, I was actually, I was actually going through a divorce when that was, when that was, uh, airing and my, my grandmother was watching that special too. <laughs> and my grandma called me and was like, Bobby, what is, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, grandma, I have no idea what he's talking about. I think he's kidding. And so it just sort of caught me at a weird time in my life, you know, to have to deal with it. But yeah, yeah I've, I've definitely heard the quote. There's no question. Yeah. No. Everybody did. Yeah. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> and like I said, it's, it's just become kind of. Anytime someone talks about sex on this show, at least longtime fans of the show, the the Johnny Come Latelys that have kind of jumped on board since social media took off, I don't think they remember that special. But longtime fans of the show will always remember Fleiss's quote saying that, and we've never understood yeah. it. What did what did a half mean? You know, it just like you said, I, I, don't, know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, don't know I, I have guesses. I have guesses yeah. of what I think it means, but yeah, you know, I mean, who knows? Honestly, God, I mean. At the, at, the, at the the height of the whole thing, I remember thinking, oh, my God, you know, like, I, I cannot believe where is this coming from? But then it got to the point where, you know, thankfully, it, it didn't become like this, uh, you know, terrible commentary on the show or anything. I was more worried about that. Like, oh, great. Now it's going to become a thing that I have to defend the show. And, you know, but thankfully that didn't happen. So it was it kind of uh, went away. It probably wouldn't go away in today's day and age. Who knows? Or maybe it would. You know, so something else is uh, just as interesting. I guess it just pops away. But at the time, I thought it was never going to go away. Yeah, I I think um, we've covered a lot of the Bachelor and Bachelorette stuff. Now I wanted to kind of get into your life now, um, post show, and kind of update people on what you've been doing. Clearly, um, you got remarried, I believe, in twenty. 20- what was it, 2015, 2016? 2016. 2016. You've got uh, two boys now. Grayson is four or about to be four, and Blake, who just turned one, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, four in December. Yeah. So, dad life. Um, I, I, you can, there's obviously so many ways to go with this particular question, but I just want to ask I don't know, what's been the biggest, obviously, your kids are your most important thing in your life, I'm assuming, and you've yeah. gotten to a point where you're just like, wow, I'm a, I'm a dad. I, I'm in control of these two kids' lives, and they're, I'm their role model. Me and my wife are their role models, and they look up to us for everything we do. What's been like the biggest, I don't know, surprise of fatherhood that maybe you didn't think of enough or well, like, wow, this is a little underrated when it comes to fatherhood or something something oh, yeah. along those lines? I actually was I just I was just having lunch with a buddy of mine today, and I, and I had a conversation, and we were talking about the last couple of days uh, that we've had with our kids. And so, you know, I waited, well, I didn't wait, but I mean, I was 47 when I had my first child. Mm. And 
so I'm 51 now. Um, it's like, you know, I was 47 going on 48 when Grayson was born and, um, and now I'm 51. So it's one of those things where you're kind of like, um, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, uh, that I was able to, uh, I, I, I mean, I shouldn't say it, but I mean, you know, being a divorced guy, I'm, my, my ex-wife has a, has a child and, you know, with her husband and they're a wonderful family and we keep in touch and everything. And I'm so thankful that I only have children in my little unit, you know, because for me, um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I just, I was so excited and so, um, just thrilled to be a dad and to be at this age when I feel like I'm at a different stage in my life where I'm more mature, I can handle it a little bit better than maybe I would have 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I was, I was willing to kind of walk away from a lot of stuff because I wanted to make sure that I was in the right position to have a family. And so, you know, I think, um, there was a period of time where, you know, I was going after all these different opportunities that had me hosting a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, not caring where I was on it and, and just enjoying the moment. And, and I got to a point where I was kind of like, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be the, 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 the funny guy from the bachelor and, still be able to turn that into a TV show. I mean, I'm captain of the JV at best, you know, and it's like, it got to the point where it's like, there's a lot of fresh young faces coming up and, you know, and so it was one of those things where I was thankful that I was at a point in my life where I could walk away from a lot of that stuff. I still kind of dabble here and there when it comes along, but it's not my, it's not my primary thing. And so it's, um, I'm thankful that I was at that point to have my kids because I can really celebrate my moments with them. And then COVID, you know, I mean, I know some people will get pissed when I say this, but, you know, I know COVID is a terrible thing and it was a very horrible, you know, the pandemic was horrible and people died and I, I get that. But I happened to move back home to Michigan right before COVID, which there was no reason for me to move here. I moved back home because I wanted to be closer to my family and I wanted my dad to get to know my son at the time we only had Grayson. And so to get through COVID and spend all that time with my kids every day, you know, with my parents as well, my parents live 30 minutes away. And, and then my dad passed away right after COVID. Hmm. And it's one of those things that, you know, people, you know, believe what they want to believe. But for me, it's all, it was divine intervention. There's just no other reason why all of a sudden I'm like, no, nope, you know what? I'm packing up on the, on the West coast and I'm heading home. And my wife who's from LA was willing to make that move with me, which was, was really remarkable. And, um, you know, she doesn't like the winners, not going to lie. She missed <laughs> California after that. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm so thankful, you know, I'm just, I'm really appreciative that, you know, I met her when I did and that I was at the point in my life where I am and that I was able to put the time into this because it, it, you know, it's the, the joy of my life is being a father to these guys and these little dudes. And it's been so much fun being here and being a part of it as opposed to, you know, cruising all over the place, filming stuff that, you know, for me anyway, no one was really watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you, I mean, and now that, you know what, I didn't, I guess I didn't know. I didn't know that you had moved back to Michigan. For some reason, I thought yeah. you were still in LA with your wife and kids. I didn't know. No, that. Okay. no we, uh, we moved back right before COVID. And um, I was lucky because, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, even though I was doing a lot of hosting and stuff, I never really left my day job. So I was always involved in, you know, for a while, for a long time, it was mortgage, but it moved over to finance and insurance. And it, you know, sounds like people are always like, oh, that sounds like it wouldn't fit your personality. I'm like, no, I really love doing boring work. Like, I really mm -hmm. love it. Like, it's, it doesn't seem, you know, it might not seem like it's exciting, but to me, it's exciting. And 
But um, it also kind of, you know, I went to my company that I work with. And I was like, I need to move back to the Midwest. Can you help me? You know, and they did and they made it possible. And I'm so thankful. So thankful. I mean, it's it's one of those things, you know, that um, we would have never thought that we had that much limited time with my dad. But my son asks about him every day still. And he got to meet Blake before he passed away. So that's I mean, that's great. And sorry to hear yeah. about your uh, dad. No, thank you. Thank you. I was going to ask the next question I was going to ask was about the whole band stuff, doing band work with, you know, actors in L.A. I'm guessing that's you don't do that anymore. No, I still do that. Oh, you do? Um, you okay. Know, yeah, so we, whenever the, when, so we primarily did corporate gigs and things of that nature. It's called Band from TV. And yeah. Greg Grunberg, who, you know, was from Heroes and Felicity, and uh, James Dutton, who was Desperate Housewives, and now he's the Good Witch, and he was the plumber, Mike Delfino, and then Hugh Laurie from House. Mm-hmm. Um, the four of us formed this band together called Band from TV. And then over the years, we added different people to the mix like scott grimes who was on er and now he's on the orville the voice of steve on american dad jesse spencer who was you know lieutenant casey on chicago fire um adrian pazdar you know we started we added some people who were our buddies into the mix that you know would really help bring a different flavor to the band uh, my buddy eddie matos who was longtime daytime star and um <clears throat> he did a bunch of stuff like kane and things like that and he was a great percussionist and and we started doing all these corporate shows and we would do, you know, whenever these companies would have their awards banquets and things of that nature, they'd hire us to come in. And, and then we would give a large portion of those proceeds to uh, charities that matter to us. So like Lupus LA or Children's Hospital and uh, Epilepsy Foundation, because Greg's son had epilepsy and has epilepsy. And so it was things that were really, they mattered to us. And so we'd go in and play these events. We, you know, cut a check to each of our respective charities and, it was awesome. And then COVID came along and that kind of, you know, put a screeching halt to it. But, um, you know, we're starting to get more inquiries again to get back out there and play some shows. And so, yeah, it would be, you know, they'd all be one-offs for me. I would fly in and fly out type of thing for the show. But, um, you know, I love doing it. And for the longest time, I mean, you know, when I was still kind of active doing the red carpet stuff, I loved it because it really gave me something else to talk about. You know what I mean? I could talk about, yeah, we're doing this great band thing. We're raising all this money for charity. And it was less about, you know, I don't know what, you know, he was talking about when he said four and a half, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, that's cool that you got you, that you're still doing it. I mean, I, I just figured yeah. once I heard that you moved, I was like, oh, that's probably not happening anymore. But that's great that you still no, do it. Oh, yeah. It's, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been cool because, you know, they still and, and I mean, frankly, I'm 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 not relevant from a you know a television perspective currently you know like the guys are you know but but we've all stuck together and it's like they still want you know keep your original band out there and um so it's been a lot of fun and you know i mean from getting to play with you know a musician like hugh laurie who he's one of the most incredible i mean, he's an incredibly talented actor as well but the guy can sit down at any instrument and play it better than anyone you've ever met and that's just the way he is and you know to sort of play with someone like him who's so inspired inspiring to, to watch and same with Scott Grimes, you know, an amazing musician too. So it's been, you know, a lot of fun from that perspective too, especially once I started off in music to kind of come back to it in the end. It's been a lot of fun. And one and one thing to ra- to wrap it up here. One thing that you did recently that I wanted to ask you about. You joined the Almost Famous podcast with Ben and Ashley, and you and Krista, Trista did the Almost Famous OGs. Where for a few for a few weeks there, a few months actually. Yeah. You guys did your own podcast, you and Trista. Now that when I went and looked, the last one you did was June twenty fourth. Is that not continuing, or is it a break, or wh- where are you at with that? Yeah, so we're we're kind of staggering it between 
um, whenever uh, Ben and Ashley go on a on a break, which will be like they'll they'll cover the the uh, you know during the season run mm-hmm. of the Almost Famous, and then we'll bring back the OGs after that season wraps to kind of cover the t- time frame between the two seasons. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and you know, I was I was a guest on a lot of podcasts, but I, I got to be honest, I wasn't really super familiar with how the whole process worked. And um, I used to host a show on Sirius XM a long time ago, and I was kind of of the mindset where I was like, oh my God, I just can't, I can't imagine having to book guests and do all the production. It's just so much work. And, um, you know, and when Trista and I kind of were thinking about this, we, it was kind of because they were doing all the interviews for the 20 year of the show. And um, we got to talking about it. And I was like, if I was going to do a, a pod, if I were to do a podcast, I think it'd be fun to do it with you because, you know, she's funny and we can make each other laugh and we have a lot of history and, you know, but it was also one of those things kind of, you know, uh, given a nod and a tip of the hat of the, of the current show as well, but really kind of, you know, tapping back into the good old days when, you know, it was a lot of stuff you could talk about that people might've forgotten or people that might've, you know, fallen the wayside that are doing some pretty cool things to this day. So, um, you know, that's been a really kind of a fun focus of the show and it's, we've, we've had a blast doing it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I just didn't know if it was continuing or whatever, but now good to know that, um, you're basically, kind of fill-ins for, like you said, when Ben and Ashley are taking their breaks and stuff like that. And yeah. then, like you said, you guys have had, you know, your buddies on, Andrew Firestone's been on and stuff like that, I believe, right? Him and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you guys you guys cover the, the old school contestants and the old school and bring, a, and bring a different flavor to it than, you know, a lot of the podcasts out there that cover what's going on right now. I mean, there's just so many. Yeah. You guys bring a, a different element to it for people that are long long time fans of the show and have watched since exactly the so yeah and that's been fun i think i think we've got you know we've got a great response to it too which has been nice i mean i was surprised i was i was hopeful but i was really surprised at the response we got and and you know when uh iheart came to us and said you know we definitely want to keep doing this here's how we're going to do it that was actually great too because then it was sort of like oh okay cool so we can take a little break and hopefully have some new experiences to talk about. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I salute everybody who I, I know you do it every week. It's, it's gotta be a lot of work. And so for us to kind of get the moonlight every now and then and fill in for, you know, six to eight weeks and then, you know, take a little break, it's kind of, uh, you know, that, that makes it, I think a little bit easier to do the grind of, of making sure you're finding you know, stories that matter and things of that nature. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for mentioning it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. It's the, it's the almost famous OGs. It's under Ben and Ashley's, almost famous podcast. So if you're subscribed to theirs, you will see your, and uh, you, you and Trista's podcast pop up in your feed. So check that out. Like you said, when you guys, when you guys come back and start covering it, but uh, Bob, this has been a hell of a trip down memory lane. Really appreciate it. It's a good hour talk with you. I'm glad we got some things covered. I'm glad we talked about the scorned. I'm glad um, <laughs> talked about Fleiss's quote. This is probably the one thing I've been wanting to ask you for 10 years. Um, but yeah, oh, no, I man. thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. And like I said, good luck with everything and uh, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you so much. I, re- I really appreciate you having me on, Steve. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Bob Guinea for that. That was a lot of fun. Like I said, I always like talking to the old school contestants because I have watched this show from the very beginning. The only two seasons that I have not watched were Alex, Michelle and Aaron Berge. Is it Berge? Burge? I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I didn't watch the show, but because the first season I ever tuned into was Trista's season of the bachelorette because they aired two bachelor seasons. Then they went Trista, as I said in the podcast in January of 2003. And then 
Aaron Fire, Andrew Firestone season aired from March to May of 2003, and then Bob's aired September to November of 2003. I mean, that's crazy that they did that. But thanks to Bob uh, for coming on. I hope you enjoyed that talk. I know I did. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. My daily roundup for today is up. It's up now at 7.45 a.m. Eastern time every morning. Uh, should be in your feed by 8 a.m. Eastern time every morning. So West Coasters, unless you're a real early riser, um, it's probably already going to be in your feed when you wake up. So when you wake up, press play. How about How about that? How about you just... Listen to my podcast in the 20 minutes it takes you to get ready. Some people it takes more. And look at that. You'll kill half the time if it takes you 40 minutes to get ready. Anyway, it's up 5 a.m. Pacific time. It should be in your feed. So I hope you enjoy that. And again, thank you so much to Bob. I'm glad I was able to reach out to him and get and him to get back to me on this. And hope to have some other old schoolers in the future coming up. So anyway, thanks again to Bob. I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week.